0: Well, it is a privilege to be with you this morning and to get to bring to you a message from God's Holy Word. It's always a privilege to uh, speak at Orangewood and a double privilege today to be the chairman of the Presbytery of Central Florida as we prepare to ordain Patrick Lennox for the gospel ministry. Uh, Patrick is a friend of mine as well as one of my former students from Reformed Seminary. And uh, so this is a an ordination service and uh pastor tyler uh, allowed me to preach today and what a privilege it is to be here the lennox family are members of orangewood and have been for years patrick married up you really did man uh, regina is your great helpmate and together you have three kids three wonderful kids grown and uh you have a fantastic and very important ministry to Native Americans through MTW, through our our denomination. And so while while Patrick is not going to be ordained to be on a staff role here, he is from this congregation, and ordination logically makes sense, takes place here today. But we're Presbyterians, and Presbyterians always try to do everything decently and in order, right? So before we ordained a man to the gospel ministry, we must... uh, preach the gospel that you will then be accountable to preach for the rest of your life until Jesus comes back again. So we're going to do that. And how we're going to do that, Tyler, Tyler laid this out perfectly with a text in Galatians 5. We're going to continue our series in Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians 5. We're going to continue in the practical section of the book of Galatians, applying the gospel to our every Day lives. And we're going to be reading Galatians 5, 7 through 15. And if you are able and willing, would you please stand for the reading of God's holy word? The apostle Paul said under inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, verse 7, he said, you, Galatians, you were running well, who hindered you from obeying the truth, Our great God, thank you for giving us your truth in a form that we can study it and look at it and apply it deeply into our lives. And so we pray that as we look into your word, Holy Spirit, you would be the teacher and we would be the learners. We pray that you'd forgive the one who speaks, for he has sinned. This morning, our goal is to see Jesus and him only, as we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Maybe seated. Well, what a privilege to be uh, studying through the book of Galatians, isn't it? Don't you love book studies? And the proper answer is, yes. of course. As we study through books of the Bible, we get we get the flow, the deep messages from God's holy Word, things we talk about that maybe we wouldn't want to talk about, but when we study through God's Word, He tells us, He sets the table for us. And so, This has been a great study through the book of Galatians. And as Tyler said last week, we're in the real practical section, the applicable uh, nuts and bolts section uh, of of the book of Galatians. But you may remember the flow of the whole book has really been the cross of Jesus Christ, hasn't it? Uh, If somebody were to ask you, what is the basic message of the book of Galatians? It's Jesus and Jesus only. It's that salvation is by grace through faith alone in the absolutely finished work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and, and so that's really the book of, of Galatians. That's the flow of what it's about. It's cross-centered. And Paul has been stridently, unapologetically, harshly at some points opposed uh, to these unhelpful ideas that so many uh, uh, people have been adding into the teaching in the churches of Galatia, uh, and so what we've been doing is entering into the the stunning reality that the Galatians had gotten off the gospel. They'd gotten off the gospel so quickly, even in Paul's lifetime. So what we do today, as we look at this text and unpack it a little bit, is to understand how they got off gospel and how we can stay on the gospel as we prepare for an ordination service as well. It's so powerful uh, that, uh, Patrick, we get to look at the. I'm going to be making applications to you as well as to all of us as we go along here, and there will be a test at the end of the service here for you, I want you to know. But what Paul is is really shocked about is the stunning reality that, that the Galatians had gotten off the gospel, the simple gospel. And we're starting to add into it uh, some of the Jewish legalistic ideas. And so I've got four points. We've read the text. Now let's explain it and apply it uh, briefly before we move into our time of ordination. And it's a very, very important time of the church. But I want you to note, first of all, uh, the, the fact of our, our consistently inconsistent spirituality. And that's what Paul starts out with in verse, in verse 7a. He says, you were running well. Notice the verbs there. You, what? Were running well. And as Paul starts, he, he raises a point that all of us really understand when we, when we look at ourselves, is that we are at times, unfortunately, consistently inconsistent when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what was going on uh, in, in, in Galatia. Remember, the Galatian churches are spread out in a region in what we today call Turkey, Asia Minor back then, but it was a region of churches that Paul had evangelized 47, 48 AD. He had started those churches, he had built those churches. And, uh, and the Jerusalem Council also had already been held, Acts chapter 15, for those of you who uh, want to go look that up. In the Jerusalem Council, uh, they dealt with the big issue of we can't add anything to Jesus. You can't add anything to the cross. None of the, the Jewish thinking could be added to the cross. And they were already adding stuff to the, to the gospel. They were already adding to what is Galatians about? Salvation by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And they were adding Jewish legalistic regulations, most notably circumcision, as Tyler eloquently talked about last week and go back and hear uh, that sermon. But I like this, I like this uh, metaphor of the Christian life. You were running well. I, the Christian life is, 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 a, is, is that way, isn't it? It's like a race, but it's not. It's not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. Uh, Paul has other metaphors that he uses in the New Testament. He uses war metaphors. I like those too. Uh, But the athletic metaphors are everywhere in the ancient world, particularly in the Greco-Roman world that Paul was in. There were coliseums. It was a sports-saturated culture, just like ours is. And so he says, you were running well. And to use a great theological term, Paul is a little wigged out right now with the Galatians. I mean, he is is wigged out. And the reason why is because it wasn't long after he'd evangelized them, discipled them, taught the gospel, and they're moving away from it. Because the Judaizers, these were Jewish teachers, had followed Paul wherever he went. And and wherever he went and taught Jesus only, they said, yeah, Jesus only, that's good, but you got to do some of the aspects of the law. And so it was Jesus and the law. And they came in right behind the Apostle Paul and people were buying it. And, and Paul's point is that whenever you add anything to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you got bad stuff. You don't have the true gospel. You don't have good news. You have bad news, right? If you add moralism to the gospel, like you got to get better before Jesus accepts you, that's bad news, isn't it? Because we can be good for a little while, <laughs> but I can't hold perfection up for very long. 20 seconds, maybe, is a record in my lifetime. You can't, you can't hold that up. And so, moralist, moralism added to Jesus is bad news. Uh, so is philosophy added to Jesus. And there was a lot of philosophy in Jesus' day, Paul's day. Platonism, Aristotelianism, there's all kinds, all kinds of philosophies. And the church adds that in, and that's bad news too. Uh, the church today is adding politics into it. You add politics and Jesus, politics, you get the right brand. It's bad news. It's all bad news. And so I, I, frankly, I'm a little blown away that within six months, eight months, a year, the Galatians are moving away from the true gospel. Except I, when I think about myself, honestly, the self-righteousness in me kind of is confronted by my own inconsistency. I remember when I first came to Christ, hear a good message, got to start doing that got to add that to Jesus. I'm going to try this technique. Well, that'd be great. I'll be better. I'll be better. Watch me next week. I'm going to memorize more scripture. I'm going to add that to Jesus. And all these things are good things, but, but the reality is we're inconsistent. And so I want to be a little self-righteous with these guys, but uh, the bottom line is I, I can't be because I'm like, that's a family story, isn't it? that we are all a bit inconsistent at times. How many have been inconsistent in their spiritual life this week? One, just want to see that hand. I'd like you all to come forward and begin to share some of those. No, we all have been. And, and, so, and so that's just a fact of life that Paul illustrates here. And, and so that's why on Sunday mornings, what you want to get is you want to get the exposition of the word of God, don't you? That's what we need is the Bible. You don't want innovation. You want explanation and application, right? Do you ever leave here and say, well, that was a good message, but you know, I've heard that before. Good. Good. You ever leave here and say, well, he put it a little bit differently, but you know, it's the same old gospel message. That's what's supposed to happen because we forget, Patrick, we forget And as you are ordained to the gospel ministry, your job is not to innovate. Your job is to explain and apply and disciple. You're committed to that. I know it. I know it. But I want to remind you of that because otherwise it's so easy for us to get off gospel, for me to get off gospel. I don't want to raise uh, hands today. How many of you really didn't want to come to church this morning? Don't raise your hand. You're on camera. No. But, But there are times... There are times we don't want to go to church. And I get that. I understand that. I love the story of the mother who came to her son, got him up on Sunday morning and said, hey, you got to get up. You got to go to church. She said, I don't want to go to church. She said, why don't you want to go to church? Give me three good reasons why. I said, those people are hypocrites. They're inconsistent. I don't like them. I'm tired of them. It's early. I don't want to get up. I'm warm. I don't want to get up. And she says, He says, give me three good reasons why I should go. Well, number one, you're a Christian. Number two, we've always gone to church. To church number three, you're their pastor <laughs> there, there have been times I didn't want to go to church on Sunday morning and preach today was one of them I wanted to be here for sure but how true it is as Paul brings up, the reality of our consistent inconsistency now he goes to the sources of why that inconsistency happens. I love it he doesn't just leave it there he shows us how that inconsistency in our lives, comes to be. That's in verses 7b through 9. He says, who hindered you? He said, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. He says, you know, the reality is, and don't miss the who, underline that in your Bibles. It's usually people, persons that hinder us from following the gospel. Uh, It's, it's, and what are the sources that get us off gospel? It's people. It's persons. It's a podcast here. It's a sermon there. It's a book there. It's, it's, uh, it's hearing a friend lay, lay something on you and say, well, have you thought about that? It's, it's a who. It's your greatest enemy in the world, the evil one who hates you down to your core. And Satan hates you because he hates God. He wants you to get away from the gospel and innovate on the gospel because he wants to destroy your life. It's the who, who. And then he says, who cut in on you? Who hindered you? The idea of being cut in on is, uh, who hindered is the idea of being cut in on. Uh, And and so there are some people who cut in on your good run. You're running well, but they cut in front of you. And I I love that analogy of being cut in because it reminds me of the time I did a, A muddy buddy uh, race with my daughter-in-law, Allie. I was to do the first part on the mountain bike, and and then she was picking up the next leg, and then I would take, you know, that that kind. And so I'm I'm getting ready to go, about ready to shoot, fire the gun off. I look over my shoulder. There's this big dude in back of me, dressed like a ninja in all black. (laughs) He was mean looking. He looked intent. I've never done anything like this before. I'm an ordained minister of the gospel. I'm a very gentle guy, you know. I'm sitting here, the gun goes off, and he blows by me, and I almost go flying over. And I, I, my first comment was probably an unuttered, uttered expletive. I, I need Jesus, but I didn't say it. And I, I did pray that by the next hill, he would have something traumatic happen to his mama. <laughs> and then I had an attack of sanity. It might have been the Holy Spirit who said, son, this is the way it is. This is, the, this is what these races are about. Come on, don't get all soft on me. Expect somebody's gonna try and cut in on you. They wanna win. That's life. That's this world. And so that's, why, that's why what Paul says is, who cut in on you? There's always gonna be somebody that cut. that's the way the world is. There's always every day gonna be somebody that wants to cut in on your gospel life. And you just gotta say that's the way it is. Not, oh my goodness. You watch the news and go, oh, I can't believe this is going on. Stop it. We live in a broken world, a sinful world. And we should expect people to cut in on the gospel and deny the gospel. And look at its They're incredibly persuasive. He says, this didn't, this cutting in on your life didn't come from the one who calls you. It's very persuasive. And it doesn't take much to get us off gospel. A little leaven leavens a whole lump of dough, right? Doesn't take much. And you get off on a train of thinking, away from gospel uh, truth, and uh, it really throws us off. I love that Orangewood is offering this class on progressive Christianity, which is not progressive at all. It doesn't take much. Sounds good. Sounds spiritual, doesn't it? And it'll get you off course. And so the Apostle Paul says to the Galatians, hey, understand, understand the the reality that... uh, uh, We are consistently inconsistent in our spiritual life, but you got to know the sources of who is influencing you. And so my question to you is, who are your major influencers? Who really has a great amount of authority over you uh, and who might be influencing you? Well, then he moves on quickly to, to verses 10 through 11, where he gives the call to gospel orthodoxy. I love this because he gives the call to gospel orthodoxy in verses 10 or 11. Look at verse 10. He says, (laughs) I like how Paul puts this. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than the gospel that we have taught in the past. Have you ever had anybody say that to you? Uh, Maybe it was your boss. Hey, I see you doing this, but I have confidence that you're going to keep following the way we do this. You know what that means? You're doing this. Stop doing it. Get back on track. So Paul's being very gentle here, very nice. But he looks, but but remember he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's a representative of Jesus Christ. And his major call in life is to lead disciples to follow Jesus Christ. So he says, he said basically, get back on gospel orthodoxy. And orthodoxy means right belief. Right belief. And when you don't have right belief of the gospel once for all delivered to the saints, what do you have? You have heterodoxy. You have heresy. You have false teaching that will lead you astray. Um, And so he has confidence that they'll come back to the true, true gospel. And so Patrick, there it is, huh? Application. You're going to have somebody else charge you here in a minute. So this is not officially a charge. Well, yeah, it is. But I know you're not going to get off gospel because Regina will make sure if you do to let you know how easy it is for us to get off gospel. But the reality is we need orthodoxy. Because as we'll see in a minute, orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. Biblical truth leads to right actions, doesn't it? You can never have a right lifestyle if you've got false doctrine motivating you. And so the Apostle Paul is very straightforward about the need for this. And so he's saying these Judaizers are attacking you and giving you false truth. Now, the interesting thing is, if you have your Bibles or look with me at verse 11 Because something interesting and and a little confusing is taking place in Paul's argument here because in verse 11 he says, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, that you need to be circumcised and you need to add that to the gospel belief in Jesus, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish that those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves Paul, Paul is making the statement that, that is absolutely true. You, you and I see this every week in, if you watch the news. You see it all the time. And, and, and that is this, that they were attacking the, the Pharisees, the, the Judaizers were attacking Paul and saying, Paul teaches you got to have circumcision and faith in Christ. You got to add the Old Testament law to the gospel. Paul's doing that what? He says? Why? Paul says, why are they attacking me if I'm actually adding on to the gospel? Here's why. Because evil always will tell those who are doing the right thing that they're doing the wrong thing. And that's what they were doing with Paul. Some of you say, well, Paul did circumcise Timothy. Yeah, that's right. But he didn't do it so that Timothy could have circumcision and faith in Christ, which equals salvation. He did that just so that he wouldn't offend the Jews unnecessarily. There are are steps we take when we're evangelizing people so that we don't unnecessarily offend them. And that's what Paul was doing when he circumcised Timothy. But now they're saying, Paul, you are a hypocrite because you teach circumcision. Paul says, if I do, if I'm adding Jesus and something else, why am I being attacked by the Judaizers? Why are the Judaizers saying that you Galatians shouldn't listen to me? He says, if I'm teaching circumcision, the essential offensiveness of the cross is taken away. And the cross is offensive, isn't it? Um, If you're with us for the first time and you stumbled into this application in Galatians, go back and listen to some of the other sermons. And um, if you're with us for the first time and and not a Christian, we're glad you're here. We want, we want you to ask questions and kick the tires and, but, but we want to tell you that Christianity is essentially a a very offensive religion. Now it's not offensive when we say to you, God loves you and has a plan for your life. That's not offensive, is it? It's not offensive when we say to you, uh, that, that, um, that God knew you before the foundation of the world and he knows the best way for you to live that he takes you exactly as you are and loves you too much to leave you that way that's not offensive what is offensive is this is when the gospel says you can't be good enough long enough to earn a place with god and undo your sins and be accepted as a daughter or son before him christianity is not religious It's offensive to say, I can't measure up. But the good news is Jesus did for us, right? The good news of the gospel, see, you don't have good news until you have bad news. And the good news of the gospel is that even though you and I can't measure up enough, Jesus did in two major ways. He kept the whole law in its perfection. Theologians call that the active obedience of Christ. He obeyed the law perfectly for you and me. And then he took our curse on the cross. The passive obedience of Christ is when he went to the cross and died in our place. And so that, now that, ladies and gentlemen, is good news, isn't it? But the cross is essentially offensive. And so Paul was being criticized as teaching Jesus plus something else when in fact he wasn't. He was teaching the cross only. And the Judaizers wanted to get them away uh, from Paul. And so Paul, Paul is looking at the, the Galatians and he says, yeah, we're a mess sometimes. And if you're new to Christianity and you look at Christians and you say, I expected them to be perfect. You are in for a rude awakening, aren't you? We're not. We're a mess at times. Uh, Some of you sinned three or four times before you got here this morning. I just want you to know. We sin in word and deed, omission and commission. We just do. We just do. We need Jesus every day. We need grace every minute of every day. We need the cross every minute of every day. And that's the gospel once for all delivered To the saints. So Paul talks about the the fact of our consistent inconsistency. Then he he clarifies how we get off gospel by listening to the who of other people. Uh, And then then he shows us here uh, the call to orthodoxy to come back to the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, And then he wraps it up by showing how orthodoxy and orthopraxy go together. Look at what he says in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you be consumed by one another. And so what Paul does here as he shows how the gospel of grace energizes us to godly living, how orthodoxy, grace, the cross alone always energizes us to grow and to become better uh, in Jesus Christ because of what he has done for us. So takeaway for all of us today would be sort of a little bit of evaluation before we ordain Patrick to the gospel ministry. We ought to ask the question, who really is influencing me? Who's, who are your major influencers in your life? Uh, people used to always come to me and they'd say, Pastor, I got a great book for you to read. Uh, and I'd say, Who wrote it? And they'd say, I don't know, but it was a great book. And I'd say, You tell me who the author is, and maybe I'll read it. And the reason is, is I want to know who wrote that book. I want to know if that book is written by somebody that has the credentials of, of gospel training, gospel centeredness to be able to pour into my life. I, I don't know if it's worth my time. Who's influencing you? Who's influencing me? Are good questions. Uh, n- number, number two, uh, do, I need, do I need a refresher of the gospel? Have I gotten off gospel? Have I gotten off gospel? Do I need to, God forbid, read the Westminster Confession of Faith again? God bless you if you do. 33 chapters. It's very, you had to study all 33 chapters, Patrick, and be, ordained, be examined in all 33 chapters. But it's orthodoxy. Maybe we need to read the New Testament again. Just read the whole New Testament through to have our mind set straight. And then, and then where am I serving? Because orthodoxy always leads to orthopraxy, to practice. So this is very practical, nuts and bolts kind of stuff, and very applicable for all of us as we follow Jesus Christ, but also a big reminder about what a pastor's job is uh, and a missionary's job is as you teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Applicable for me, applicable for you, what's your take away today.